Hi, my name's Charlie Mann with Law Firm Alchemy, and I love simplicity. Welcome to a coffee-sode of They Don't Teach This in Law School. Like I said, I'm Charlie Mann of Law Firm Alchemy, and I really do love simplicity. So that's what I'm going to talk about during this episode, because we live in an era where there are so many platforms, there are so many systems, there are so many opportunities to automate. There's just so much that it is easy to get buried in complexity. And I fundamentally follow the principle of uh, the basics done right over a significant enough duration of time with continued refinement and uh, building of those basics is better for you than egregious complexity. Now, understand, I am not outright anti-complexity, but what I look for are strong default paths for myself and the vast majority of the clients that I coach. And I know that simplicity is the right answer 98 times out of 100. And when it's not the right answer, we can layer in complexity. But here's something else that I'll say. Simplicity executed enough times over, over enough modalities will lead to natural complexity. Let me use metrics as an example. So if you've watched any of my videos or you're reading the emails, which by the way, go to lawfirmalchemy.com and uh, register there to get the emails if you haven't done so already. When I talk about metrics, a lot of firm owners uh, I work with, when I when I start with them, we want to figure out three core metrics. We want to figure out uh, a, a signing metric, a production metric, and an inventory metric. And if, if you have questions about those, reach out to me. Maybe we can schedule some time, figure out if uh, coaching is the right path for you if we're a good fit. But the idea here is let's monitor three global metrics for the law firm, and then we can layer in additional metrics, but we start with simplicity and then we add simplicity. Think about that idea. Start with simplicity, add simplicity. Over time, it will become a complex mechanism for you, but it starts very, very simple. So let's say we have those three core metrics in place, but now we want to get a better sense of what is leading up to the signing metrics of signing new clients. Okay, now why don't we add a couple of marketing metrics? How many qualified leads are we generating and how many of those leads end up scheduling appointments? Maybe we'll even add another metric from there. How many of those appointments end up with signed clients? But the first thing we need are those core metrics. Then we can layer in the next layer. Once we get good at the core, we can add the, the layers to it. That's my essential philosophy in marketing. Let's get the basic referral program in place. Let's lock down your Google local ecosystem, and let's find one platform to, you get, to get really good on. Once you have a simple system to continue publishing on that platform, to generate reviews, and to get more referrals, why don't we layer on another set of simple ideas? Okay, let's start to incorporate video marketing, some more complex keyword strategy, and maybe a paid advertising solution. So now again, something very simple, but we focus on that knowing that we have the other system running in the background for us. Now, the truth is, is with a lot of the simple stuff, if you get really, really good at it, uh, you may not even need to dive into extra layers. So for example, if you're just great at YouTube, your law firm kills it on YouTube, that may be uh, a channel that you can carry for a long, long time. You don't necessarily need to add a complex Facebook strategy, a complex LinkedIn strategy, Instagram strategy, tw uh, Twitter, TikTok. It's all very tempting, right? Because you're taking video and turning it into maybe more video for reels, for TikTok, et cetera. 
But if you focused on being the absolute best at YouTube, if it's the right fit for your practice, that is likely greater leverage for you than adding in all the other stuff. This even goes back to where do you generate money in life? If you are a law firm owner, your number one investment vehicle is your business. For all entrepreneurs, this is fundamentally true. Uh, you are in the business of your core business. Now, as that business starts spitting out excess cash where you literally look around and go, I don't know what to do with this money. I have it. I like it. Uh, and maybe I can put it to work for me. Now we can look into higher level investments past kind of the core investments. If you're doing the 401k, SEP IRA, whatever it is that you have set up for yourself, maybe you have some basic stock investments. Uh, you have a modest portfolio, but you don't have any active investments. You're not buying real estate, which let's be clear, if you're buying real estate, that's not straight up passive income. There is work to be done on the real estate. Although if you hire the property manager, all that other stuff, cut your cash flow down a little bit. Yes, it gets pretty darn close to true passive income. Also, it depends. Maybe you get in on real estate deals where you are just a provider of money rather than providing the management of it. A whole other tangent. But that is a layer of complexity that you don't need to add until you figured out the simplicity of, am I generating the cash from my law firm? Am I, am I pushing my law firm to its greatest potential so that way it is spitting off excess cash flow? And now I can find my next simple layer of investment. Goes to the metrics, goes to the marketing, goes to the way that you even look at your finances. It is very easy to get tempted by complex systems. I fully understand it because I remember being a young guy in marketing, seeing all these amazing follow-up sequences with stop triggers and uh, you know non-linear and reactive and da 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 da, and going, "Wow, I see the potential in it." The problem was is most of the time setting up those systems, we were never feeding enough people into the systems to have it generate a significant difference for us. When you see someone like Russell Brunson teach you about, say, reactive follow-up or the owners of Keep, um, previously Infusionsoft, talking about reactive follow-up, which they do, they're talking about that being beneficial when you have maybe hundreds of people going through that system, not when you have a couple dozen. At that point, the work that you put in to achieve the complexity is not increasing your results proportionally. That's actually kind of the poll quote here. Uh, the work that you do needs to achieve proportional results. Now, someone's going to say, well, Charlie, shouldn't I build in complexity to bulletproof my system going forward? Let me tell you what. The And actually, I, I talk about this all the time. Uh, one of the worst things that you can do is create points of litigation. Ah, I'm talking to lawyers, so let me be very specific here. When you have a lot of complexity, it creates a lot of points of failure and a lot of points of blame within your system. This is this is damaging to outcomes. When you are constantly looking for ways to litigate the result, to say, oh, it's because, oh, you know what, we shouldn't have put that particular email in, or, you know, maybe we put the stop trigger too early, or it was the wrong condition. Uh, oh, you know what, we've been focusing too much on that metric. We should be focusing on this metric over here. Which metric is to blame? All of that introduces ways to make excuses for the system. That's what complexity does. Think of it like uh, any app on your phone. Why are they constantly having to patch those apps? 
because the patches create complexity. They create new layers of complexity that create loopholes and breakdowns within the app that were not there before the latest patch, which then what do you have to do? You have to do another patch. And then what do you have to do after that? Another patch. Lots of complexity leads to lots of patches and ultimately a failed system. You are not a software developer. You are not in the business of finding individual lines of code. You need to think on a larger scale, on a macro level for complexity versus simplicity. Now, if I'm working with you and you have recently transitioned to three, four, five million dollars in revenue, now we are going to get a little bit more complex for one specific reason. You will have people who are responsible for their area of simplicity that represents the next layer that appears like complexity. So let's say we've got some of those basic marketing metrics, but now you have a full-on marketing director, someone who really is the leader of your marketing efforts. That individual may have several more metrics that they are paying attention to. They are looking carefully at the total website traffic, social media engagement levels, video views, time on page, and a whole host of other concepts that inform the how many qualified leads do we get, how many of those became appointments, and how many of those appointments signed as actual clients. Now that for them, that for them is simple. Now, for you, it has become increasingly complex. There are a lot more moving pieces in the firm, but you are not responsible for all the moving pieces. If you are a solo owner of a firm that is under $1.5 million and you have too many layers of complexity going on, you need to step back and introduce simplicity. Boil it down to what are the numbers that have the biggest swing to them? Uh, when I've talked to my brother in the past about numbers to watch, you know, one of the things that we talked about is the difference between a $100 number, a $1,000 number, a $100,000 number, and a million dollar number. Are you measuring the right level of numbers? What's interesting is earlier on in your journey, you really want to look at the biggest numbers. If I modify this number, does it lead to a six or maybe even seven figure yield for me? On the other hand, as you get bigger, you have more space to introduce efficiencies on numbers that swing by, say, $10,000. That seems counterintuitive, but if you look at an organization that is growing very big, if they have a $10,000 number out of place, there are likely multiple $10,000 numbers out of place across the entire firm. It's the old uh, Van Halen looking uh, to see if they had put the green M&Ms in. If they had not removed the green M&Ms, Van Halen understood we have to do a sound check and we have to make sure that they got our setup right because apparently someone got like electrocuted. Uh, long story. Very interesting. Go look it up. Van Halen, green M&Ms. Great story to look up. But that idea of we now need to pay attention to the smaller stuff when we're so big is exactly what starts to provide large-scale leverage. Because small kinks in a very large machine can cause major, major issues. Uh, you think about cars today with all the electronics in them, introducing many more failure points that need to be paid attention to. Whereas on your bicycle, if you ride that, there are very few failure points to pay attention to. And you don't need to get too in the weeds with all of it. It's is the gear actually, is the chain on the gear, are the pedals uh, running appropriately, and are my brakes not causing friction, right? It's very, very simple factors overall. 
stick with simplicity, design from simplicity. And for all of you who are under a million dollars listening to this, which I know that obviously that's the majority of firm owners embrace simplicity. Uh, You can refer back to some of my engine versus the fuel talk in the past, knowing the difference between your engine and your fuel. This is something I coach my clients on and think to yourself, what am I paying attention to? What am I implementing? What am I changing? That is the simplest change with the maximum impact. And if you start with that as your default, you can produce dramatic and much faster results than if you get super in the weeds of being clever. We're not in the business of being clever. We are in the results business. So let's go big and let's go simple. All right, I will see you all in the next episode of They Don't Teach This in Law School.